Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Thanks for being here. How you feeling? Good. So glad to be here. Um, so I guess so people have a small background and kind of know what you're about and what, you know, the things I read about you that you kind of help people get into better routine or women better into routines in their life. Is that kind of the gist of it? That That is the gist of it. Absolutely. So where did this come from? Where was the motivation behind this? Where did it start at? Let's start diving in. Yeah. So I'm very type A. I like to get things done efficiently. And I found that there's other people like me that like to do the same thing, but have a really hard time with creating those habits themselves. So I found simple little edits and simple little ways to encourage women to get into those routines and habits. That way they can get the results that they want. So being type A, do you consider yourself like a hundred percent type A personality? And the reason I'm asking is that's because I've been playing with mine. Like we've been talking about it here with some friends and stuff, and it's like, well, I can I guess I can kind of see all three or four of them, but I'm probably mostly I would say type A myself, but with a mixture of some of it, not a hundred percent, I guess. Sure. Yeah. I really feel like everyone can kind of be on a spectrum and depending on how healthy we are, right? Like if we're super healthy, then maybe we're more well-rounded. Whereas if we can get unhealthy, meaning like we're really stressed and we're not using a lot of coping skills, um, there's times that we can get really, really rigid. Um, and so I, so I grew up in Alaska Um, yeah. in like a small little town that was like super isolated. So there wasn't a whole lot to do. And as an only child, I had to create my own fun. I had to create my own friends, my own life. And so being type A really helped me because I was very motivated. I set like my mind to a goal and then I worked towards it. So again, helping other kind of like type A women has really been my jam because otherwise we can be really lonely in life and we could feel super isolated by our circumstances, but because of our mindset shifts, then we can like make life the way that we want it to be. Mm. Did you always have a goal of like how you wanted your life to be even at a young age? Um, I knew I wanted to help people and I know that sounds super cliche, but like I truly did. Um, I didn't know how I wanted to help people, but, um, that was something that just always just selfishly made me feel good about myself, right? Like it's great to help people, but it also just really made me feel good and always having goals like, you know, new year's resolutions were always my jam. Now, did I always accomplish them? No, definitely not. But I loved the process of making those resolutions and goals. Yeah. One of those things that somebody asked me once and my professional career, you know, what does success mean to me? And I had no idea what to say. Right. And I went back and like researched what other people like meant by success and what they, their definition of it was, I guess. And, and I found that a lot of people actually said that, Hey, success to me is like helping others succeed. Mm. And I was like, Ooh, that means a lot. And, and then like, as far as uh personal scenarios or whatever you want to say that, you know, I do feel good when I actually help somebody else accomplish one of their goals or something, even if it's by mistake and me not trying. <laughs> Yes, there's definitely the mistakes of like, oh, but I did help someone. So I guess the mistake was probably pretty good. (laughs) I mean, but there's something about it, you know, I mean, just feeling good inside and knowing that, you know, I don't know if it's what it is, but it's just just a feel good feeling, you know, and I don't know, maybe more people don't. It goes unnoticed. I think more people don't recognize it enough, you know? Yeah. 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 And I don't know if it's just. 
the world's moving so fast, information overload, and just, you know, everyone's in a big damn hurry, maybe, right? <laughs> it's so true. It's really hard to be super helpful and open to helping people when we're always in a hurry, when we don't have margin, because usually when people need help, it's not convenient. Mm. And we have to have that margin in our life to be able to, to help and or be able to pivot really fast. And that isn't necessarily one of my giftings. And so creating margin is what I have to do. <laughs> and, and and with that said, that, you know, being unnoticed and what we're actually doing through our daily lives, that's almost, I don't want to say we're on autopilot, but to a sense, some people are, right? And just that, you know, the other day, it's like I was walking into the coffee shop and the person didn't hold the door open for me as I was walking in, right? They just let it close. I was like, come on, man, Right. You know, like, and it's like, and then like, you know, when you're walking across the street and like somebody doesn't stop and let you go or whatever, maybe it's just little things to me, but it's just like, yeah, I try to think about now is, Hey, that might mean something to somebody else where if you did hold the door open, whether it be, you know, a kid person out of whatever it is, it's like, Hey, help them out. You know, like it means absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's so important. It just, it acknowledges that you, you exist, that you have value. When I lived in Alaska, I moved down to Texas. And so there was this like Southern charm. Like I didn't open a door, like the three <laughs> years that I lived there, it was amazing. I was called ma'am. People would stop. Yeah. When I wanted to walk across the street and all of those things are really great, but really what it was is that they saw me, I existed and I had value and yeah, they could slow down enough to let me go first. And I think that that just shows people, it's like an unspoken respect. And I think respect is something that we're losing a lot in our culture, um, even though we're trying to all gain respect. Um, but I think we're we're losing how to do that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like that, an unspoken respect. But I don't want to switch gears here much, but I mean, so you moved to Alaska, to Texas, and I know you just told me you were in Minnesota, but I, I think you, from what I read, you've moved a lot, right? Yep. Yes. I've also lived in Colorado, but within each of the states, I've moved several times, gotcha. just depending on opportunities of, you know, roommates or my husband's job or, you know, decided to build a house or rent a house. And so we've had to um, pivot a lot, which I said before, I'm not fantastic at, but I'm getting better. And I feel like every time I've moved, I've learned that, um, What's most important is the people that I'm around because it doesn't matter the house. And as women, um, a lot of times we can put a lot of like value and uh, what's the right word? I don't like credit into like the house that we live in. Like that gives us stability. Sure. Stability is so important. Um, and every time I moved, I had to like uproot myself. And so that got really stressful. So then I had to like change the way that I was thinking and think of them as just, you know, opportunities to create a home. But then I got to meet so many amazing people in all the different places that I've lived, different neighbors, you know, it just allowed me to not be so rigid and caught up in um, my like physical surroundings, but be more confident in who I was. And so anywhere I moved, anywhere I went, I could just present myself the way that I am and value other people because I like to be valued. Yeah, everybody does, right? I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's human nature or what, but people initially always want to be valued. Everyone wants to be, when they start something new, they want to be good at it, right? Yeah, I get that. But, um, you know, with all that, with that moving and, you know, always kind of having changes of, environments and stuff you know i know you're big on routines and everything but having a morning evening routine or just a daily routine in general i mean is that part of the success when you are moving to to kind of help you you know get out there and bring value to whatever environment you in and absolutely and so even within like moving i also travel a lot and so those routines and habits really help me be successful no matter where I'm at and successful again is relevant, like to like how you define success. But for me, success is consistency mm -hmm. and being able to um, have a good attitude, <laughs> no matter what my circumstances are. Right. I agree, I agree. And um, really finding that the evening is how I set up my morning. And so how I handle my evenings, what time I go to bed, what I eat, when I stop eating all those things, um, really play into my mornings and how I start my day and my attitude. Mm. Yeah. You know, back in, I don't know where, my, probably high school, maybe even college. Like I used to think people who had routines were 
it was not cool, you know, right? Right, totally. Yeah, yeah you know, I was like, man, you're, you're like you're an adult right now. I mean, so the- lame. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I, I don't know where I picked it up at, but somewhere along the my path, journey, whatever you want to say, like I heard a quote where it's like, great athletes are governed by routine, right? That's, mm. That means so much. And like you were talking about consistency right there and like, you know, elite athletes and, you know, people who are really care about, you know, whatever it is, their passion, you know, fitness, sports, uh, I don't know, business, entrepreneurship, whatever, that, you know, they set routines for themselves in order to have these daily goals, goals and accomplish them. And, and as far as consistency, you know, like a lot of it's just showing up and doing the work. And yeah. like one thing I learned and it's like, Hey, it is kind of cool, you know, to have a routine. It's like really boss level stuff rather than just like, <laughs> hey, man, what are you doing? What, just fly by the seam of your pants. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what we value again, you know, a lot of times we want this flexibility. We want to just do what we want to do whenever, but if we really want to get to the results that we want, there has to be some consistency because it will require hard work. But one thing that I've learned about like habits and routines is that our brain eventually really loves it. And it helps prevent decision fatigue because ultimately at the end of the day, if you're flying by the seat of your pants on a day, you're going to be more exhausted mentally than if you actually had, you know, a routine that you were doing, because the whole point is that it creates neural pathways in your brain. It makes it easier for you to remember things. And we want to be easier on ourselves, right? We want to be easier on our brain. So having some of these habits that seem super lame and boring, but if the end result is what you want, like, okay, like, isn't it worth sacrificing some of those things to get what you want? Yeah, well, that's that's exactly it, that a lot of people aren't willing to, and I'm generally speaking, of course, sacrifice those things to get what they want, just because maybe it seems good in theory, or it seems good, the idea of it, but when it starts to come down to it, you know, it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be watching Netflix for four hours before I go to sleep, right? And that's actually <laughs> eight hours or something. And, and I'm not, you know, saying there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, but like this, like you said, like setting up your evening to make your morning great, you know, that's some of the things that, you know, Hey, maybe I should be going to bed a little bit earlier. Just so when I wake up, I feel a little bit better. You know, I get my eight hours and, you know, like that's part of like the whole, there's a lot of science coming out with sleep now about how yes. it the brain and how, like, as far as certain diseases, it helps to, I guess, kind of reset everything and like fix. That's a, that's a poor way of putting it. I know, but essentially. No, but I totally get that. Well, there's a reason why they use like sleep deprivation as ways to like torture people. Like (laughs) we need sleep. And I know that there's that, you know, saying like, I can sleep when I'm dead. Like now granted, there's going to be seasons in our life where there's less sleep, right? When I had my babies, there was less sleep. When I was training for a marathon or starting my business, there was less sleep, but overall, on average, I get the sleep so I can do those things. So I can sprint when I need to sprint in my life. You're a marathon person. We might be switching gears here, but. <laughs> well, I'm a one-time marathon person okay. that was like, that was great. I'll check that off and <laughs> never again. <laughs> my first half marathon this weekend. And, oh, cool. And I've been training for the last eight, eight-ish weeks for it. So uh, yeah, I've never been a big runner in my life and I've always... Uh, I would run, but I just don't like it. Right. But I've made myself as far as that consistency and working towards. Yes. um, That's amazing. You're going to do great. I hope so. Right. I mean, I've been training pretty hard and along with some other things. And it's one of the hardest things I've done in my life. You know, I'm a big CrossFitter and like I compete and all that stuff. But like as far as this is a whole different animal, you know, it is. I couldn't imagine do CrossFit, right? Yeah. Like it just uses different parts of your brain, different muscles, all the things, which I think is so good to cross train because then your brain gets to learn different things and, you know, just adapts in different ways. Yeah. Plus it's always like, it's something new every day. So you don't always know what you're getting into and that it's just not stagnant. Right. And your yes. brain doesn't get bored and get, you know, wants to be challenged. That's how I like to do my daily life. I, think I like little challenges and, uh, you know, trying to do hard things. Cause then I'm like, Oh, daily life's pretty easy. You know, if somebody gets my order wrong at the restaurant, it's like, all right, no big deal. Worst things have happened. I, will <laughs> yes. I can lift heavy things. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but you know, and to that point that we might be going off a little tangent here, but Peter Atia, um, he's a doctor and I don't know if you know him, but that's one of his, his theories in life is to say, Hey, do, hard things, you know, not necessarily go climb Mount Everest every day or whatever, but do hard things. And that's one of the keys to longevity. 
And I was like, ooh, that makes perfect sense. Oh, it so does. I think it's really important that we do hard things. I think it's also okay for us to give ourselves permission to not do hard things when we've done a lot of them because that rest is so important, which you'll find, you know, after... I'm sure part of your training process of your half marathon is running, but having rest in between. And so doing hard things is fantastic, but I've met a lot of really like strong go-getters that end up burning themselves out and getting overwhelmed and losing their passion because they go so hard and don't just be like, um, again, give themselves some space and margin to be like, okay, I was sprinting for a while. Now I'm going to give myself some time to think about something else or develop another area of my life. Yeah. You know, in, in terms of entrepreneurship and or even fitness that I think that there is a missed narrative there or not even a missed narrative, a narrative where in terms of entrepreneurship, then that you have to be working 16 hour days in order to be successful and you have to stay on a grind and forget about sleep. Like you said earlier, you get all the sleep when you're dead and stuff. And that it leads to, you know, like maybe burnout or what type of actually of the quality of work are you actually putting out compared to what you would be doing with eight hours of sleep or so to speak, you know, and I think it goes, because you have like people like, is it the rock and Elon Musk on Instagram and probably all these other influencers who are like, Oh yeah, you got to be like this in order to be successful, which is, you know, people will think that just because of who those people are, but it's not necessarily entirely true. Right. Right. And it depends on your definition of success as well. For me, I am an entrepreneur, but I'm also a mom and a wife. And it's really important for me to be available for my kids after school. Mm -hmm. Success is having dinner on the table as well as getting clients, right? Someone else may only be clients. They may want to triple their revenue. That's not as important to me. That's not success, right? If my kids are unhappy or my husband's unhappy because I'm not present and I'm exhausted and I'm drained from putting myself into my business, that doesn't help. And so trying to find you know, balance, which is something that, you know, it shifts all the time. It's never kind of the same depending on the season. I think it's just so important to know like what you need. And that's, that's part of something that I do is when I coach women is help them figure out who they are and like what specifically they want and kind of defining their own success. So it's not the rocks or Elon Musk's (laughs) definition, right? Yeah, for sure. Do, uh, with your routines and everything, you know, talking about balance, I mean, does that help you keep a good work-life balance? I would think it, so. Yes, it does. Because, you know, I know at three o'clock, I got to go pick up my kids. And okay. so I have to get stuff done. And again, I know my brain that I like very defined tasks. So again, writing things on a list. And I I only use little um, sticky notes because otherwise I would like just keep going. I would make this super long list that is completely unachievable, but on a little yellow sticky note, I can only put so many things so I can get them done in that defined time. And I build self-trust and I don't, you know, screw myself over by, you know, telling myself I need to do all these things when I'm not able to. Somebody asked me about work-life balance and like, you know, how do I, you know, get everything done that I need to get done. And I never really thought about it until they asked me about it. And just because, it was one of those things like for this marathon training again or half marathon training that I, there's times where I'm actually running for just an hour out of my day. And before yeah. I, man, I got to put in another hour and then plus be able to go <laughs> to a full time job, you know, train for CrossFit, do that and then everything else. And, you know, and, you know, I'm a single guy. I don't have any kids or anything. So that kind of helps. Right. But it's still at the end of the day, like you want to be able to have fun, that balance, like you just said. Yeah. And like a lot of it's just like time management to me. And like you said, like, Hey, it, Near three o'clock, I know I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And then at four o'clock, I'm moving on to here. And like that, that schedule and routine just helps keep me in check. And the, my brain loves it. Like you were just saying with a checklist. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, what's that theory that uh, you probably know this? Like the amount of time that you give yourself is the amount of time it takes. So like if I needed like a whole day to do something, but I could honestly do it in two hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the- um, uh, well, uh, this is how I heard it once. Sorry, okay. technically, but this is probably a different or poor way of putting it again. But like, if you know you have people coming over and your whole house needs to be cleaned and they're going to be there at three o'clock, you can get it all done within like two hours or something, right? It's something along those lines. Yes. Yes. I exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think sometimes we think things are going to take longer than they really will, and or <laughs> we underestimate how long something will take, and so really kind of figuring out 
who you are and how much energy you have and are able to put it into things is so important because I know there's certain times of the year I'm more energized, right? In the summer with the sunshine and then here in Minnesota, you know, in Alaska winters are really dark and I just know I don't have as much motivation. And so kind of taking into account, knowing myself and how much energy I'm able to put back out into the world is really important on like scheduling big projects and just being aware of, of all of our little idiosyncrasies that we are created with. Mm. Good point. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I used to think I had like seasonal depression, you know, and I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that. And I guess where I heard that term because, and I said, I have it, but I knew notice that just like you said, going outside when going for a walk, I instantly feel better. But during the winter months when, you know, they're not as harsh as Minnesota's, but you know, it's just like, man, you know, I don't really feel as good as I normally do, but I, you know, maybe seasonal, I think depression was kind of a stronger word. I think it's just more just, no, I just don't feel as good as I normally am. Right. But I think there is some more to seasonal depression or people don't realize that like, Hey, I do don't feel good today. And it's just because of these winter months compared to summer months of being able to go outside and get that sunshine and extra vitamin D and just feel good. So. Absolutely. And side note on that, there's little happy lights. So living in Alaska, we'd go to Costco and you could literally buy like a Costco pack of happy lights. And so it's just like this certain frequency of a light that you like turn on for like 15 minutes to an hour a day. And it really helps with like produce the vitamin D and taking vitamin D because I have seasonal affective disorder as well. And that has just really helped me. And instead of fighting it, instead of being like, no, 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 like it's all in my head. Like, I know it's just dark. I should like be able to push through this. It's like, why not help your body, you know, produce what it needs to produce and then move on so you can like function at a high level. Never heard of happy lights. I wrote that down. So make sure I have to check into that. But yeah, but going back a little bit, I know you spent a lot of time. You were in a criminal justice system, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What exactly was that about? What did you do there? So um, I started in the criminal justice system because my friend, who is basically my brother, ended up going in at 14 to juvenile detention center. And I knew he was a good guy. Like we grew up together, like just made poor choices. So I kind of continued with, again, wanting to help people and wanting to kind of specifically help certain people and certain people that felt alone and lost and um, ignored Mm. and isolated. And so all those people are in prison. So I went to college and I got my bachelor's in justice and started as a probation and parole intern at 20 and was able to work with people who had been released from prison and just needed some kind of accountability while they were in the community. And I just can't even imagine what those people thought when they were released. And here's this 20 year old little girl, (laughs) the one that's supposed to, you know, determine if they go back (laughs) to prison, if they don't follow the rules. Um, But that just kind of continued my passion for, again, structure. I like rules. I, I like the idea of the justice system. I think there should be consequences. Now, unfortunately, there are disparities. Unfortunately, the justice system is broke, just like any broke, because we live in a fallen world. That's just how it is. But there can be people like me, people like you that have good attitudes and can help people and encourage them to make better choices so that way they can move on in their life. And I like to I like to call um, prison as like a big time out when I would go and work there and my kids would ask him like, I'm going to go to prison and I'm going to go work with the people who made poor choices. They're in a big time out now. They're <laughs> going to think about what they did. And then when you make poor choices, you get to go to timeout, but it's just your bedroom kind of thing. And so I just have absolutely loved working in the justice system. I worked with men and women, um, but right now I just really love working with women because I think that there's, well, obviously I'm a woman, so I just kind of connect with them more on the the level of um, all the feminine things that we go through. And so it's been a lot of fun right now. um, Many of the prisons are shut down still because of... uh, the different rules for the CDC. And so, but I have a lot of hope that they're going to be changing some of their guidelines. That way we can get back in there. The going through that experience and like helping, you know, prisoners and deciding if they're going to go back or whatever, that was that one of the things like, you know, you kind of found like, oh, I could do this for a living and be a life coach. And is that part of it is how did that work out? Well, so I ended up getting burned out because I was just surrounded myself. I um, was a juvenile detention transporter. So then I worked in um, a mental health unit as a case manager. I did a bunch of different things in different areas. And 
really just started to see people as if they were trying to take something from me. Like when you are in that world, you just kind of start thinking everyone's out to get you. And I didn't like that version of myself. I didn't like thinking about people like that. So I took a break for several years and was able to kind of get my head, you know, straight. I also as a Christian, wasn't really following the Lord and didn't have like that joy and that, that peace that I needed to be back in that world of, you know, prison and, and be the light that I wanted. So once I started getting healthier and like, okay, I'm going to get back in there. It was like so much easier to transition, but I knew that I needed to have like a different edge. And so I decided to start my own life coaching business because I didn't want to have a boss. <laughs> Basically, I Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. I didn't want people to tell me when I could take time off, when I could see my kids, when I could, you know, all those things. I wanted to create something from nothing and help people and use all the different skills and the different things that I had learned when getting my master's and all of that. And so I got to like create this awesome package of this business and it allows me to be able to help people in a way that I feel like they would best benefit from. And um, it has worked out really well. And it's been really neat to kind of see that there's there's a lot of similarities um, between people in prison and out of prison. And many of us create our own prisons, right? With limiting beliefs, self-sabotage. And so I've met amazing people in prison who are more free than people that are outside of the prison just because of their mentality, which is again, why I love working in the prisons is because you your circumstances kind of suck. So you really have to use a lot of mindset shifting. And so they are like really, really strong, powerful people in prison. Wow. I would have never thought that what you just said was, if you would have told me that before this podcast, that somebody's in prison is probably more free compared to somebody outside. I would have never thought that. Right. I would have thought that, you know, yeah, you're, you're nuts. There's no way that could be right. But I mean, I guess in that, in that sense, it is, it does make sense to me now that, you know, I guess with that structure and of what prison is and the type of person you are, there can be some good to it that it's not all bad. And let's think that, well, I don't know, maybe I got to think about this. You know, I, I didn't really prepare for my thoughts to come out the way they are. But yeah, I just, I mean, you blew my mind with that statement. You know, and I don't know where to go from there, but. That's okay. It is a, it's a new concept because our brain likes to put things and people in categories. A criminal is bad, a bad guy, right? Well, here's the thing. We are all humans. And if many of us had had the past or had situations happen to us, we may very well be in prison, right? But because of the way that our life turned out, we we've been able to kind of go on this path and not end up there. Now, many of them made poor choices, had the best upbringing, right? And it's all based on our decisions and some consequences are bigger than others. And I really believe people can be reformed. People can, um, all people have value, whether you're in prison or not. And our past does not define who we are. God says who we are and we're all valued. And so I think it's really important that we, we remember that and, um, not judge others. Yeah. Well, 
so you're talking about like giving people a second chance. Is that what you're I'm talking about? Yeah. Seeing everyone equally, giving people a second chance, whether they're in prison or not. Now there's healthy boundaries. Absolutely. Healthy boundaries. <laughs> and some people need to remain in prison a lot longer than others. Agreed. <laughs> I was getting ready to yes. ask that. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I think depending on what you're in prison for, I don't know, you know, maybe a, a DUI or, you know, a drug charge or something. I could say like, okay, yeah, you, but you know, as far as, you know, if you took up someone else's life or whatever, I don't know about a second chance there. What's, which is interesting because actually people who kill have a lower recidivism rate than people who have DUIs. Some people go on and drive drunk eight, nine, 10 times, right? They can have tons of DUIs, sure. whereas someone may have like killed someone, but it wasn't like premeditated. It was maybe just an accident, but that's kind of getting into more of the, <laughs> the statistics on those types of things. Well, I would have never thought that either though. I mean, that if you've taken a life or murdered or whatever, that would you say that it was lower compared to somebody who has a DUI and they go out there and get like eight more? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have heard that now that you just said that, but I still just in my brain, I was like, hmm, but I guess that makes sense because, you know, I know people in my hometown, you know, who would get out on, you know, I don't know, when a DUI or whatever, then they just keep doing it and they don't yeah. have any, you know, remorse of what they're doing and don't really care if they even, you know, hurt somebody else or whatever. It's just a thing to do. And maybe that's just, mental illness is how they grew up. Maybe it's just, you know, being in a very, very rural area. I don't know, but I always just thought that you're still doing it. You know, you got like another chance to kind of fix everything. What's the matter with you? But right. And that kind of goes back to our theme of habits. Addiction mm -hmm. is really just a habit and a routine someone's gotten into. And it's a really hard one to get out of. Yeah. So it's just kind of changed, like taking baby steps, you think, and just trying to, all right, if you really want to get out of this bad habit, so to speak, and keep going down this negative feedback habit rule kind of thing that you got to take take a small change you know and then we'll build off that small change and then we'll build off from there right? exactly exactly and along with addictions along with any type of behavior or habit change it's so important that we realize our thoughts because our thoughts affect our feelings and then our feelings affect what we do our actions and so again kind of talking about like people in prison the idea that like their circumstances are so crazy and they're still able to like think about their thoughts and like determine how they're going to act. And here when we're in, not in prison, like many times we just let our circumstances totally bum us out. I just think that the, the mental strength that people have is really, really fascinating. It is like there's, and again, it's one of those things going back to marathon running or fitness related. Cause you know, that's my forte, but like you can tell people who ha really have that extra mental edge on other people who don't, you know, and who really want to focus on the grind and, you know, push, pushing themselves to a limit that they never thought they could do or whatever, you know, even like Michael Jordan talks about it, like that's one of the different things in, in life. And that kind of separates people from others is that, Hey, just, you know, does your brain really want it? You know, does your body, yeah, your body's going to say, no, this sucks. But if you can tell your brain to keep pushing that, you know, you can find out what you're made of, so to speak, you know, kind of what we we're talking about. You do those challenges and stuff and you know that, Hey, I got this. Ain't that bad now, you know? Yes, absolutely. We have to listen to our bodies. Our bodies give us so much information and feedback, whether we are, um, you know, training for a marathon or half marathon or whether we're stressed out. Because many of us, like, we don't even know when we're stressed. True. But if we were to, like, listen to our bodies, like, we all experience some type of physical, you know, response. Um, our bodies are just super fascinating. But going back to, you know, kind of back onto the prison talk real quick, I, I read on your thing that, you know, you said something about like, you know, a lot of women that are living in their own prisons. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Yep. So this idea that women specifically, we think about a lot of things, right? <laughs> There's that book, like women are spaghetti and men are waffles. Like <laughs> all of our thoughts are like super like intertwined and we can go down rabbit trails, all of the things. And one of the things that we do is we create a lot of thoughts that aren't helpful, that are thinking errors that limit us from really kind of doing the things that we're capable of. And so we kind of are stuck and, you know, we use this word stuck, but really it's this prison. Like we're in this jail cell. We literally have the key. We could literally get ourselves out but we choose not to because it's safer in here. We know what to expect. 
those anxious thoughts, those limiting beliefs, I at least know those. If I were to push through them, like what's on the other side, that's scary. Mm. Is that kind of just, you know, being your own worst enemy, so to speak? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's very few of us who have people holding us back in life. Really, it it's just ourselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, I it is a lot of ourselves. And I heard once somewhere that, you know, you speak to yourself more than any other person in the world, right? And that it's like a thousand <laughs> yeah. a day or something. And that, you know, yeah, there are some people who you have, you know, toxic relationships, friendships or whatever, and that, you know, they can be pulling you back. But again, like it's at the end of the day, it's yourself and that you have to, again, like what you said, change your mindset, change those habits. If you really want to find that goal or find that success that we've been talking about in life and that you have to, you know, almost just tell your brain to say, hey, we're doing this no matter what, you know, and like then if somebody, again, you're in a bad relationship, friendship, they try to pull you back to say, hey, you know, you can jump on board with me or you can just keep doing that because people get really envious and very judgmental, you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And just because you're better for yourself and they instantly, maybe an insecurity thing where they're, they're not doing something. Totally. Cause it's, it's holding up a mirror to them and they are seeing the things that they're not doing and that's okay though. And I I'm saying this to myself as well. It's okay (laughs) for me to be successful and for other people to be like, Oh, like, you don't need to lose the weight. You don't need to run that marathon. You don't need to have a, like more clients. Like, isn't your life good? Like, why do you just need to have more? Well, I, I would like to have more. Do I need it? No, but I would like to. I'd like to step into my fullest God-given potential. I feel wow. like everyone should, right? And I think that there's never a point where we've completely like, we've made it, right? Like, oh, I've done all the things. Like that that doesn't even exist. Like think of all of those just like super alpha people who are the actors, the singers, the, you know, all, they're just so talented, like Michael Jordan in so many different ways. And yet he's still challenging himself, yeah. right? And again, to this point of the voices that we hear, whether it's our own internal voices or external voices, we still have a choice to be around those people that if they do continue to, to drag us down, we don't, we don't have to spend time with them. And I've, I've had to move away from friendships that was really just kind of bringing me down and it it sucked, but ultimately it was, it was for the better. Did you ever worry about leaving those friendships and just think like, Ooh, is this the right move? Like your brain trying to protect you again? Just like, Cause you know, I mean, like, you don't, you don't want to be that person. Like, especially if you had a friend of, you know, a long life friend and you're like, Hey man, you know, I can't be around you like this anymore. If you're going to be doing like, you know, bringing me down, you know, cause I've had yeah. people like that. Like, you know, even people within my family that I'm, yes. I'm almost obligated to be around, but within it, like, it's such a Debbie downer, you know, like a terminology there, but it's like, man, I cannot be around this anymore. You know, and you hate to excuse like somebody in your family, but I just, you know, it's just like, unless you change your ways, I don't want to come around you anymore. Yeah. I think that's kind of a new way of thinking for so long. They're like, what blood is thicker than water? Like always be with your family, like family. And, and yes, there is a respect. We're called to honor our father, mother. We're called to, to respect people, I agree. agree. but I don't have to spend time with you. I can respect you (laughs) from a distance. Right now, this is coming from someone I haven't lived near families you know, for 18 years, I've, you know, lived away from them. And so it's easier for me to say that than if I were to be, you know, down the street from my family and I have to choose how much time I spend, like that would be really, really hard. But I think it is important to realize that we get to choose who we want to be around and it's okay. If one of those people are your family and they're just not supportive and, Mm. you know, just kind of holding you back. Yeah. You know, and I think maybe the modern world, today's time, the present, whatever you want to say that it's better or it's easier to say that that now compared to, I don't know, years ago, just because if you would have said that out loud, people would have been like, oh, you're a terrible person. You don't like your family. It's like, well, right. no, not it. But because, um, you know, I mean, I love my family. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, well, everyone, there's always that one person at Christmas or wherever you like. <laughs> yeah. You get a fight with them. But yeah, but one of those things that, yeah, you had it's you shouldn't be afraid to say that out loud. I guess that's what I'm just trying to say. And that, you know, when you say it like that, rather than just saying, I just don't want to be around my uncle because they're terrible. But if you say like, Hey, this is why 
you know, then it starts to make more sense and you're able to get out your thoughts and your feelings and you don't have to hold them in and which, you know, would probably cause a, a deeper problem down the road just because like that, you know, I don't know, that madness will just come out just like over a pin being dropped or something. And yes. like, hey, I actually feel better. I don't have to hold this in anymore. Right. You can say that stuff out loud. And Absolutely. And I think it's so healthy to have those conversations because you would want your family to love and respect you for who you are. And if you're thinking those thoughts, if you're feeling that way, then that's, that's something that we should feel like we can, we can express. I actually just had a hard conversation with my mom. She was visiting here for a couple of weeks and it had been a long time since she'd spent that much time with us. And, you know, there was something that was happening that I just, it was really bothering me. And so finally I said something to her and it went well for the most part, you know, but here's, here's the deal. Even if she doesn't change the thing that, you know, was bothering me, it doesn't matter. I advocated for myself. I tried to communicate myself and I feel like we have a deeper relationship, a closer relationship because of that, but it was super hard. And if we lived near each other, we'd probably have to have a lot more of those conversations. And I know a lot of people aren't willing to have those conversations with family, but they take practice. It's taken years for my mom and I to be able to have those conversations. So for anyone who's feeling challenged to have a conversation, like at least start like, yeah, it'll probably be messy. You know, people will probably be offended, but at least practice. And then it'll get easier and easier to have those hard conversations over time. As a kid and even well, not even a kid, but, you know, teenager and all that growing up that if I were to say something that was kind of that would disagree with, you know, my mom, for example, and that, you know, and I was really expressing how I felt about something and it wasn't like exactly the the norm or what it was I was supposed to say, you know, it was almost that I felt as, you know, I was a terrible person for saying what I was actually feeling inside. And I was like, well, and because, you know, like it would, it would cause that tension and that yeah. you know, that tough argument initially. And it's like. Like, why am I the bad guy? You, you know, I'm, I'm just expressing like, you know, what I wanted to say or what I wanted to say. And now that's just because it's not fitting the scenario, the circumstance or whatever you want to say right here that and I almost like shelled myself from actually trying to express anything like thoughts, feelings, emotions, whatever, just because like, you know, because it would instantly just cause like a huge it would just go from zero to ballistic in no time. Yeah. But like now, like as I'm growing up, you know, I've had to say like. Okay, if I'm going to do these conversations, even on here, like on the podcast, that if we're going to have a debate or whatever, that I got to be willing to express my opinions. And yeah, it's going to be, it might be a little hard at first and it might be nasty, it might, but it's going to take practice. And, but yeah. at the end of the day, I'm going to feel better. Like I won't have anything like still holding in and or regrets or anything. And it's just initially just saying, hey, you got to take a chance on something, right? It's just a little trial and error. It's so true. And I just want to offer you encouragement too, Chris, to like, remember, like when you have your own kids to like, give them that space to feel comfortable to confront you, which it totally sucks when your five-year-old confronts you, (laughs) but it's good because you are encouraging them to, you know, have their own voice. And you're also learning how to have that conversation with your kid, with anyone in general. Again, it's, it's that routine. It's that habit of having hard conversations, no matter who it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's no manual that comes with parenting. And again, I'm, you know, I'm just a single dad of two dogs, but I've always wondered that, you know, it seems, I don't know what you ha- what it's like being a kid nowadays or a teenager or whatever that, you know, especially with so much going on in the world, with much the topics that come up now and um, that, you know, those type of conversations that would come to me, you know, being a parent, if I were like, how would I handle that? You know, and it's just that, and I don't want to completely dismiss it and just say like, no, you have to think this way and, or be this type of person just because I want you to, but because I don't know that feel again, that would cause, I think deeper issues down the road than I want where I could just say, hey, let's just talk it out. Let's see what's going on, man. You know, yes. then if I can't do it, you know, at least have them find somebody like, you know, like a, therapist or someone like yourself who knows a bit more than I do and can handle these situations better. And I think that's where I don't want to say trauma, but maybe a lot of problems start to stem from, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, all of us start out in a home with parents, whether it's your biological or adopted or, or whatever, and we learn how to 
like take in information and communicate information. And so we get to decide if we like the way that we do that as we get older. As an adult, we get to decide, you know what? That really wasn't helpful the way that I was raised. I'm going to do things differently now. Or, hey, you know what? That was really great how I was raised. I want to continue doing that. Everything is a choice. Like this is our life. We get one life to live. And it's really important to be intentional with the life that we have and the decisions we make and, and how we think about things. And we get to decide our thoughts. Like we get to take our thoughts captive. Initially, they they seem like they come out of nowhere and we can't have intrusive thoughts, but we get to decide what we do with them. Yeah. Do you believe that? And I was talking to a therapist on here once and that we can't control our thoughts and feelings or do you think we can control our thoughts and feelings? I believe we have thoughts and we get to control what we do with them. Ooh. Oh, good point, Tabitha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was that now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, I guess I can kind of control them. I was like, well, maybe I can't control them. But because she was saying like, it's okay to have terrible thoughts, right? And that, mm-hmm. but because most people do have, you know, in whatever your yeah. terrible is like, it could be to say, I want to punch you in the face right now. Right. But it doesn't mean I'm actually going to go do that. Right. Yeah. That and that's, yeah. That's that idea of taking our thoughts captive. And so if, if a, um, I like to call them intrusive, right. They just like come in and you're like, where did you come from? You're super offensive. Right. So I get to decide if I'm going to ruminate on it. Am I going to continue to think on it? Or am I going to be like, nope, that's not helpful. So I'm either going to distract, well, which usually I do, or like acknowledge and be like, okay, where did that come from? Is Has there been something that I've been like pushing down that this has been something I really do think and feel? And then again, I get to decide what I want to do with it. And, and all those thoughts determine kind of how we feel. I can have the same thought and have different feelings about that thought, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then those feelings determine how we end up acting. Mm. Do you sit and find time for yourself during the day where you actually, I don't want to say meditate, but if you meditate, that's fine. But like where you kind of think about things and like, hey, you know, if this issue comes up with one of my clients or something. Oh, yeah. I love work. thinking time. As an only <laughs> child, I spent so much time by myself. I just crave it. I go on like weekends away twice a year, just like I rent myself a hotel and like, just go and think and be by myself. It's so wonderful. Um, and every morning I get up at five and I have my quiet time. So I journal, which I haven't always journaled because I thought it was super lame. I know, <laughs> but, how, I know how it goes. Right. But like, it's, it is really helpful. I don't always go back and read it. Actually, most of the time I don't read what I write um, because it's just kind of brain dumping. Um, but I also spend time in in the Bible and that really helps give my day a better perspective and like a supercharged like dose of like strength and patience and joy that I that I don't have when I don't start my day out that way. Yeah, I used to think journaling was super, super lame too. Like, right? Yeah, like I used to be that person. Again, it was along with routines and stuff, but yeah, you know, I've started forcing myself to do it. I haven't done it in a while, but I try to make myself at least do it once a week. Right. But it helps me to kind of articulate my thoughts, I guess. And like, you know, when I'm writing them down and even if I am brain dumping and stuff, I, don't, I usually don't go back and reread it. Sometimes I do. But I do notice, that, oh, OK, it feels better that I actually put this down on paper and I actually got to work it out, you know, writing it rather just keeping it jarred up in my in my brain. But absolutely, yeah. because we can right. take those thoughts in our brain and like warp them. And sometimes we don't even know what is in our brain. Have you ever like been in a discussion with someone and like something just comes out of your mouth and you're like, holy crap, I didn't even realize I was thinking that. Yes. Right. And so that brain dump, that journaling is like a way to basically like clean it out. (laughs) I like, you know, the analogy, which you probably don't relate to this, but with a big purse and like, I'll like dump it out. And I find like all these random things like a sock and a lipstick and, you know, candy. And these are all super random things that I didn't know that were like stuck in little pouches and doing a brain dump does the same thing. It cleans out our brain from all those things that we didn't realize we were even thinking. And then we get to decide what we want to do with it because those thoughts are there no matter if we acknowledge them or not. And if there are those kind of negative ones we don't realize that they're there, they're going to affect how we feel and what we do. So we might as well get it out into the light. I think it's so important to get everything out into the light because when it's in the light, you can do something with it. Sure. Yeah. You know, to your point, yeah, like that's happened to me, you know, in 
private conversations. It's happened to me on here where I just start talking and it's like, you know, then and so once I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, where did that come from? You know, just that, <laughs> yep. I've always thought that, or is that, you know, just always just been bottled up or what, but it's one of those things also that, you know, like when I'm doing these conversations, like I really honestly don't know. We're doing, we're doing a little dance, right? Like, all right, what's she going to say next? What am I going to say next? You know, and like when I start talking, like like things just start coming out. And I'm like, oh, wait, oh, I guess I was okay. You know? <laughs> but it's good because, you know, a part of like journaling and stuff, like I feel like I'm getting stuff, you know, that brain dump or purse dump, like you just said, and that it's coming out. And that's like, oh, that makes sense now that I say it out loud. And like, I don't know, it helps me to feel better about things and gets me again you know, as far as journaling with my thoughts and then saying them out loud on here, like, Oh, I think I spoke, said that very well or something along those lines, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so fun to to do like a brain dump and then feel like when you look at it, you get to decide what you want to do with those thoughts again. And some of those things you want to take action on and some of those things you have no control over. So I actually, so I like to make my to-do list, but I also like to make a God to-do list with the things that I have no control over. And uh, so I just write those things under the God to-do list because he's got it. Like, I just need to release the control and like get it out of my head and just know that it's going to be what it's going to be. And I'll figure it out. Mm. Well, Tabitha, I think we should take that home or take this podcast home on that right there. I feel like it's a good way to end this. So, um, yeah, if people want to find you, if you want to plug anything, feel free to do all that stuff. Absolutely. Well, um, I also have a podcast called The Life Edit podcast with Tabitha Perry um, that people can find me on where I like to talk about practical things and how to take small little edits in your life. So you get the big results that you want. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, as well as my website, TabithaPerry.coach. I love it. Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for having a little conversation with me. This was Absolutely. It was so fun, Chris. Thank you. All right. See you folks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park